Welcome back to Talk Louisiana. Steve Crump here, sitting in for Jim Inkster, who will be back tomorrow. Talk Louisiana originates from the Investor Bank Tower in Baton Rouge and their signature support from East Baton Rouge Parish, Mayor President Sharon Western Broom. Uh, today on the show, uh, we, um, well, it's a God Squad. It's a God Squad morning. Imad Nofal, Chairman of the Islamic Center. Assalamu alaikum. And uh, Rabbi Emeritus Barry Weinstein of the United uh, Jewish Congregation. Shalom to you, Barry. Shalom, shalom. Two Thank men. you. You're welcome. Two men who have known each other for years. I've been their friends, too. And they had lunch, not to convert one another, but to have a conversation. Um, the pain and the anguish continues during war with uh, human lives lost, hostages taken and destruction of much of Gaza. Um, so I wonder when the Marshall Plan begins, but I know I'm pushing the envelope. I'm wondering when peace begins, but I also know with the author coming up, Dominic Crossan, coming up in the second half of the show, he always says there can't be peace without justice. So those are always blended together. Uh, so it's not just peace, because the Romans had peace, right? And they ruled um, with armies. And does a, does a peace with justice not include not only a plan for rebuilding, but security? Because I know that's a concern um, of the prime minister. He was on the air uh, yesterday on ABC. I listened to the whole interview. But there also may be, I'm just asking the question, some kind of reconciliation. Because forgiveness is part of this, too. Otherwise, we cannot live together as brothers, sisters, as families. So here's the question. Um, Barry and Imad, you went, to, you went to lunch. What did you talk about? You can start, Barry. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll let Barry start with this. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll Who's, whose idea was it to have lunch? I think we both wanted to get together. I'm not sure. It was whose idea it was. I invited Barry. See, there you go. <laughs> I, thought, I had the gesture. It, 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 okay, the gesture. It's important, isn't it? it but uh, but he, you will, all, he welcome it right away. But uh, you, uh, but, uh, but you, you knew he would come. You yeah, knew, you, yeah, Barry will do that. Definitely. Okay. All right. So what did you what did you guys talk about? Well, we spoke about Israel for sure, and Imad told me about his family. God bless them in Gaza and the struggles that they had been and have been having. On the way in this morning to the studio, Imad told me about what happened yesterday, which most of us read about in Gaza, and I mourned the death of everyone who died. So it's a very difficult time, and Israel, from its beginning, has struggled for peace. Islam is related to the word shalom, yes. which means peace, and I th believe that all of us, Imad and I and you and our listeners, are all praying and hoping and working for peace. Right. That's, um, that's true. It was a good um, talk. And I, uh, the first thing I told Barry when he was asking this morning, um, our meeting was uh, about uh, three months ago. And um, nobody could imagine that this will uh, stretch that far. Now it is. It was bad then. And now it is uh, over four months. Um, um, with uh, things that, that 
unheard of. And we, we agree, both of us, uh, as again, as he said, I'll, 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 I'll second this, the loss of uh, any human life, any civilian, anybody who is innocent, sitting in his home, whatever he's in Gaza or wherever he is in Israel, uh, uh, we really feel 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 for it, and we're we're not condoning any actions that um, causes the death of civilians. But uh, right now, um, everything going on in Gaza, everything is, is is unfortunate. Everything in my fiber, my my being, and my faith tradition um, tells me that we cannot give up on each other. Um, I grew up with a Christian Bible, and I looked at Amos 3.3, and it says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, that was the King James Version. And then I get to the University of Chicago, and I see there are other interpretations of the Hebrew Scriptures, and I see Amos 3.3 saying something completely different in English because we have Hebrew translators. Can two walk together unless they have an appointment? <laughs> Now that changes the whole landscape, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yes. That changes the entire landscape. Uh, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, no. Congress says, no, I don't agree with you. I won't have lunch with you. Um, you guys were not intended to convince each, each other of... Uh, you, you, weren't, you weren't interested in converting, but you were having a, you were having a conversation. Understanding. Yeah, an understanding. Um, so we're having a conversation that I don't think happens very much in, maybe not in this town, but maybe, maybe not much anywhere in this country, because if the question is, is hostages versus the children in Gaza, then if it's that binary kind of question, we're not going to get anywhere, it seems to me. Seems to me we've got to be concerned about hostages, and we also have to be concerned about children and family of Gaza. Would you agree? Yeah, and I'd like to mention during my latest trip, we always say return. When we go to Israel, we say returning to Israel. During my latest trip, now several years ago, I spent time in Jericho and Jericho and uh, in other cities around that area. And I met with um, Arab Israelis, mm -hmm. Muslims. We had wonderful times together, talks together. Uh, I went in Ramallah and had lunch at an Arabic family home. It was tremendous. And just as Imad and I have a peaceful, friendly relationship, thank God, this is the potential, I believe, that we have. And Israel has always tried, as we in America have tried often with mistakes, Israel's made its mistakes as well, striving for peace. And on this little strip of land, smaller than New Jersey, um, trying to do its best. I failed to mention uh, this is, uh, right now, this is a live show for the 9 o'clock version, and in the uh, evening it won't be, but let's take callers at 877-217-5757. I'll read it again, 877-217-5757. And we have someone, uh, uh, Phil, calling in right now from Jefferson Terrace. Hi, Phil, good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, hi, Barry. Uh, this is Phil. Um, and um, you were such a comfort to me when uh, I lost my father. And uh, so much comfort, just your wisdom and your empathy, and I also know that you were a 
part of sheltering um, refugees from Katrina. I know that was something that um, you were involved with, and that caused controversy. And um, but doing what your faith commands you to do, uh, you do that. I uh, I thank you. I thank. Thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate that. Imad and Barry, what in your religious traditions tell you not to give up on each other? I mean, we, we speak of uh, those who are not carriers of the faith. Uh, both, both Hebrew scriptures, both the Quran speak of the unbelievers, those who have uh, worshipped uh, other gods, for example. Uh, your, your traditions uh, hold out for there being one God, uh, no, but no God, but God. First commandment says you must uh, um, you must honor and love God. Uh, it, that comes from uh, Hebrew scriptures, and that's something that uh, Islam also acknowledges. But what in your traditions tell you that you don't give up on each other, either through scriptures or just in your lives? There are. Um, um, let me start with this, but also I had something in my thought. If you allow me, Steve. Sure. Um, about. Um, uh, Barry has talked about uh, him being in uh, in uh, Barry has talked about him being in uh, Israel and visiting and uh, had some good uh, experiences, and he used to uh, um, the word that they use uh, the return. The return. And uh, I just want to point that uh, there are millions, millions of Palestinians whose grandfather and great grandfather were born in Palestine. They are not allowed to touch that land. Um, I just want to owe it to my people to say that because, yeah, when, when, when a lot of people are allowed to return and enjoy and meet, those people never got chance to, uh, to meet. But for me, I, um, and I for a lot of Palestinians, I've seen it, I've experienced it. We always um, are looking for a way to um, uh, negotiate, to, uh, to uh, amend our relation because it comes from the core of our religion. It says, uh, Call for the way of God and the best words and, and with, with wisdom. And um, when you talk to them, when you argue with them, find the best words to argue with them that does not hurt them, does not break their heart. Um, definitely, um, there is a lot. I'm not a, um, a, a scholar in, in religion, but there are a lot of things in our religion that call for calling. Imad, you are, you are quoting uh, from the Quran. We're going to give a chance for Barry to respond from, from his tradition right after this. Back here in Talk, Louisiana, this is Steve Crump with my guest, Barry Weinstein in Modnofall. You know, a shout out to the Interfaith Federation of Great Baton Rouge for bringing more than Protestants and Catholics and Jews together, but Muslims and Baha'i and Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Quakers and Greek Orthodox and Unitarian Universalists and Buddhists and other traditions that I don't have listed in front of me and other traditions that would be pleased to join. Uh, and, well, we would welcome, we would be pleased to welcome so that's um, that's that's a good part of the project too in, in Greater Baton Rouge. Barry, what in, we have a caller waiting uh, from uh, from New York, as a matter of fact. But uh, 
I think you know something about the state of New York. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, grew little up bit. in upstate New York. You did grow up in upstate New York, but been here much of your life. Half uh, my life, 40 half, years. Yeah, I hear you. I, <laughs> you and I came to this city the same time, the same year, right. almost the same day. But it was not a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> no way. It was a conspiracy. What in your religious tradition? Oh, we have so little time. Uh, but speak to that. What in your religious tradition tells you not to give up? We don't give up because we believe that every human being has a spark of divinity in him or in her. So each person, as I sit here with you, Steve, and with Imad, I look in your eyes and I see Hashem. I see God, if you will, as source of life and source of love and source of forgiveness. And we come together in that spirit as well. Protestants and Catholics... Uh, Christians of all sorts can relate to what you just said because it comes right out of the Genesis story. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. We have a caller from uh, New York, uh, and I, uh, Salid in uh, Mid City, New York. Hello. Actually, actually uh, I'm calling from Baton Rouge, but I, I moved oh, okay. here from New York uh, two two years ago. Yeah, from Queens, <laughs> Queens, New York. I know so, where Queens um, is. <laughs> my, great, uh, my question is uh, for Barry. Um, so. Uh, being that Israel is uh, a religious society and it's built on the fact that they want to be a Jewish state, is there a religious argument that that could be made to Netanyahu theoretically that would allow him to have a ceasefire and stop the war? It's the two-state uh, proposition. How how do you? I would want each of you to respond to this, Barry. Well, a two-state proposition, ideally. Uh, on paper sounds great, but it's difficult to understand with the power and influence that Hamas has. And Hamas, I believe in its charter, Imad can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, still seeks to uh, destroy the Jewish nation. So it's hard for me to envision a two-state solution if that is the case. Ma, do you want to respond to that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The two-state solution is not an invention of today. That was the um, uh, 1947 decision by the United Nations to divide that uh, land between two states, Israel and Palestine. And since that time, Israel took the rest of the land. And um, um, as a matter of fact, I find it uh, strange that uh, Barry say that he's kind of a um, I don't know, I hope it's not in his heart because all the moderate and people who think they, where this, where these Palestinians need to go? They live there, their parents, their grandparents, um, uh, uh, 80% of their land has been uh, taken and the rest of it occupied. But then if he mentioned uh, the war now is not against Hamas, to tell you the truth. We thought that it is like this, but to kill more than, or to, to, to kill and, and injure more than 100,000 and destroy 80% of Gaza and displace very much 80% of the people, that's not against Hamas. And what about the West Bank? There is a government there that collaborate and work closely, has been doing this for 30 years. Do we see a Palestinian state there? No. In the past 30 years that there were peace, settlements has 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 taken or uh, 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 eaten most of the land of West Bank to make it even w- uh, almost impossible to have a connected piece of land. It has been planned. It has been um, uh, uh, done, and now they are just 
just say it uh, um, uh, vocally and they don't shy of it. But, is, but where are they going to go? Is it fair to say that prior to October 7th or, uh, yeah, October 7th, that um, this proposal was more realistic, especially because Arab nations were, were very interested in the, in the prospect? And would you not say the population of Israel was, except maybe for more, more rightists, the, uh, pl- the political right in Israel, weren't they more interested in, in this as well? Barry, what do you think? I believe so. I haven't lived in Israel since my wife Linda and I lived there many years ago for a full year in Jerusalem, a great year, uh, not long after the Six-Day War. But I do believe that the majority of Israelis want to have peace and want to see both sides debating, arguing, dialoguing with one another in order to achieve a peaceful, respectful solution for everyone. It's a diverse nation. Very diverse. It's incredible. Sephardic, uh, Mitzrayi, uh, Ashkenazi. With Arabs in the parliament, too, it's important to state. Numerous ethnic groups, women, ultra-secularists who have Probably they feel very have very little in common with the ultra orthodox, right. right? Right. It's just an amazing, uh, amazing small place geographically. I heard that uh, Rafa is um, actually more concentrated right now than New York City in terms of Rafa population. is uh, about fifteen percent to twenty percent of the one sixty square uh, uh, miles of Gaza, and the, it used to have two hundred thousand. Now there is one point six million people yeah. crumbled there. But uh, as far as your question of the intent, there are why it is when it comes to Israel, you talk about diversity and there are people on the far wing, far right and far far left. Yes. And when some of the far right, they want to annihilate the Arabs and the, the, the Palestinians, nobody say that this is a small minority of the state. But when, when people we have in Palestine and this, everybody talk about Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. And in Gaza, all these people... They are civilians. They are really, if you ask them, they, 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 they really got caught in the middle. And um, uh, this two-state solution, I don't think um, it is feasible because there is an ultra-right uh, government led by Netanyahu, and he said it. I have worked 30 years to prevent any chance of having it. He said it on public. I, can't, I don't have any uh, res- kind of reference now, but he said it. He worked 30 years to prevent a two-state solution, which means what you're going to do with these two, uh, uh, four and a half million Palestinians who live in, in Palestine. What are you going to do with them? It's, this is my question. It's quite possible the prime minister is on thin ice uh, politically. He is on thin ice right now. Right. right. In a very controversial position. And, and we don't have time to go into the politics of it, but... Uh, uh, I, you know, I think we should lift up uh, Tafik Abdul-Jabbar, the uh, 17-year-old who was shot, uh, not in Gaza, but in West Bank, American citizen uh, gr- who grew up in, uh, actually a U.S. citizen who grew up yes. in Gretna. So this, this doesn't only affect Gaza, but it affects West Bank. It affects the border with Lebanon. And, we, um, and, of course, the region is uh, completely surrounded. Oh, my, where did the time, where did I the time go? I want to thank Imad for coming on with me, and thank you, Steve and WRKF Talk Louisiana. This has been great. It, it, it really is. It's a blessing. Uh, your friendship in the spirit of Salam and Shalom. Uh, we're going to be hearing now the 3,000 choir 
voice choir recorded four years ago by the Kululam Project, featuring Muslims and Christians and Jews singing in Arabic, Hebrew, and English. They're singing one day, all my life I've been waiting for, I've been praying for, for the people to say that we don't want to fight no more, there'll be no more wars, and the children will play one day, one day, one day. We're going to go right up to the news break with this beautiful music. Um, I'm not just an optimist, I'm, uh, I have hope. I'm a person of faith, and I'm in the studio with two of my friends. So thank you, blessings to both of you. Thank you, thank you so much. Hey, this is Steve Crump of Talk Louisiana. I just uh, ushered my friends out the door, and here we go. It's 877-217-5757. Call in, Talk Louisiana. That number again is 877-217-5757. Well, it's um, Lundi Gras and Valentine's Day coming up on Wednesday. Let's see what the scriptures and Jewish and Christian traditions say about love. Since love is on our minds this week as we approach uh, Valentine's Day, I mean, how can we pack all of this in together? You know, Mardi Gras and the Super Bowl and, oh my goodness, and Valentine's Day on Wednesday. Love ought to be in our minds and in our actions every day. Joining me for the second half of Talk Louisiana is author, biblical scholar, and lecturer, and my friend from afar. On several occasions, he's uh, lectured here in Baton Rouge, John Dominic Crossan. Uh, Professor Emeritus at uh, DePaul University in Chicago, an Irish-American biblical scholar with two two-year postdoctoral diplomas, one in exegesis from Rome's uh, Pontifical Biblical Institute, and another in archaeology from Jerusalem's Biblical and Archaeological School. He's been a mendicant prior. He's been a Catholic priest, a co-chair of the Jesus Seminar, president of the Society of Biblical Literature. Uh, you think he's an expert? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the most recent of his 30 published books is Render Unto Caesar, The Struggle for Christ and Culture in the New Testament that came out a couple of years ago. Good morning, Dom. You may be speaking to folk in their cars today as they go to the Lundi Gras parades in southern Louisiana. I would say you don't want us to give up on love, not for land at least this year, right? Right, Steve. And first of all, it's lovely to be with you. And hello to everyone out there in the ether sphere. I'm talking to you from near Orlando in Florida, where the weather is very beautiful. By the way, that title, Emeritus Professor, means you get to live in Florida. It's Latin for living in Florida. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Uh, there's a colleague of mine in Chicago who would greet uh, people uh, out of the congregation um, with this greeting, don't ever change, don't ever change. Dom, don't ever change. We're going to call you Dom because we're friends, and I know you'd like to be ca called Dom. Uh, Personally. What are you thinking about these days uh, on the subject of love, for example? 
Well, you know, it is used almost in, a, in every marriage situation. And it's what's fascinating to me is, look, I don't want to, to squash it in any way. It comes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, okay? Yes. But one of our problems is we love to take things out of context in the Bible, which means we're really not taking it seriously. Because if you read what Paul's doing with the Corinthians, by the way, the Corinthians are a fascinating bunch. They're really contentious. I, I think that, you know, if somebody said that, that uh, they heard a pin drop, somebody would say, no, it wasn't. They're very contentious. They're, they're very much like us. <laughs> they really are. They're city dwellers, of course, in the great big port city. And it looks like when you read First and Second Corinthians, boy, they're fighting over everything. So... What Paul is doing here, he spends three whole chapters in the way we calculate. Chapters 12, 13, and 14, and the love hymn, if you will, comes up in the very middle in chapter 13. He spends three chapters trying to calm them down on whatever this fight is going on. And, you know, the next chapter, 15, he only spends one chapter on the resurrection. You say, wait a minute, I mean, wouldn't you get three on the resurrection? And so... The marvelous thing about what's going on, when he talks about love, it really is not, I'm sorry to say if this disappoints anyone, the emotional, passionate, or committed love between two people. It just isn't. That's not what he's talking about. You can certainly use it for that. He's trying to imagine what holds a community together. That's what he's after. He's not just talking about two people corporate group operation and that's kind of what we get away from because it's it's easier to talk about the emotional love and the committed love between two people which is necessary of course of course it is but he's really talking about something that's far trickier and we're not too good at well not that we're too good at the emotional part either but but it's the social part so that's really what i want to draw attention to the context in chapter 12 through 14, if you're actually reading the text, which I spend my life doing, <clears throat> that's the more important thing, I think. Dom, I want to ask you about something that really <clears throat> embraces the two guests, two of my guests, uh, Muslim and Jew, um, about the love your neighbor as, I, as yourself. I mean, that, that's not original with Jesus. That's not a—I mean, it's, it's expressed in all the great religions. And that, too, is a, is a communal commandment, right? It's, and, and it's an enlightened—it's enlightened self-interest. You, you love your neighbor. Uh, that's, that's good for community. Yes, and in one sense, the even more striking, extraordinary thing that Jesus says that's really extraordinary is love your enemies. And you want to say, wait a minute, why didn't he say love everyone? That kind of includes your enemies, of course. But he particularly picks up love your enemies, and here we are again on context, <clears throat> because we tend to say, wait a minute, love, how can I have an emotional attachment to my enemy? Once again, you have to ask, what does the Greek word agape mean? And in this context of love your enemies, for example, it really, I think, could be crossed out and say to share. Now, I, I look at, you know, when you're talking, I know, with your previous guest, 
about what's happening in Gaza and in Israel. And I come to that from a life spent, at least I was 17 and came to this country, in a divided country called Ireland, which has 26 counties in the south, six in the north, and it's divided. And it's a, it's a tiny little island, as it were. And I hope, I hope, with all my fingers and toes crossed, they may have managed finally to live together. Yes, yes, yes. Amen to and, that. I, I heard someone say, well, when you, when you give up hope, you hope in spite of, uh, in spite of not having hope. And, and look at all the cynicism about Belfast, for example. Um, years ago. Look at all of the cynicism. We, we mustn't give up hope. I know there's a caller coming in that wants to ask you something. Um, let, let, let's, go to a, let's go to our caller right now. Okay. Or is there? Is there? No, there may not be. Okay, well, I'll, okay. I'll just con- we'll continue the conversation. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop with your neighbor. It, it means, um, uh, it, it means it, it's communal. I think it, President Bill Clinton said the correct interpretation wasn't just the love between two people when he was speaking on Corinthians 13, but he was talking about a community ethic. You said something in one of your lectures not too long ago. You said, love without justice is banality, but justice without love is brutality. Would you talk about those two concepts, how, how connected they are? Yeah, it, I mean, the term love, it's, it's, in a way, we're still in the context of 1 Corinthians. Because, again, I, I insist that what he, Paul is doing there is seeking desperately to keep contentious members of the community from turning competition, and uh, by competition it means domination, into a way of life. So there's going to be, whether you're talking about physical, financial haves and have-nots in chapter 11, he's now talking in chapter 12 to 14 about spiritual haves and have-nots. You know, I I have a greater spiritual gift than you. I'm an ecstatic and you're not an ecstatic. So... He's trying to hold people together. Now, it's very easy to say, love your neighbor. It would be very easy from us in a safe distance from, say, what Ireland called the troubles. If ever there was a euphemism, that's a euphemism. Or what is now going on, say, in, between the Palestinians and the Jews in Israel. And say, well, why don't they just love one another? Well, the trouble is that love is what I might call a spirit. And justice, and by justice I mean distributive justice, is like the flesh. So if you look at a body and you talk about flesh and spirit or body and soul, and they must work together. So if distributive justice is not there, you can talk all you want about universal love, love your enemies, and it's really whistling in the dark. We're on the phone with Dominic Crossan, uh, acclaimed uh, Bible scholar, author of 30 books, and the call-in number is 877-217-5757, if you'd like to ask him a question, 877-217-5757. This is Talk Louisiana. Paul has some difficult uh, sentences in, uh, in Romans, about uh, homosexuality, and uh, have we have has much of Christendom gotten it wrong? The interpretation there. 
Yeah, I think they really have, though what Paul might think about two consenting homosexuals, I'm not sure. But in his experience, and again, we're back in the context, it's striking that he says it's unnatural. He doesn't say it's sinful. And this reflects a teaching that was in the Greek world from Plato, forget Paul, long before Paul. And they said that the natural purpose of intercourse is conception. Now, wait a minute. Anyone knows that there's another natural (laughs) result, which is pleasure. And Plato did not want to say that. He did not want to say, well, there's two purposes. One is intercourse, which can happen in certain cases, and the other is pleasure, which you can have one without the other. We're going to take a break and get right back to a discussion with Dominic Crossan. Talk Louisiana. This is Steve Crump sitting in for Jim Inkster with my guest, uh, Dominic Cross. And this is really fascinating. You know, um, while Dom was speaking on on Paul, I just uh, wanted to mention, uh, not in passing, I think it's probably pretty big news out of Vatican. Out of the Vatican, a Catholic priest can bless a gay or unmarried couple as long as it doesn't involve a formal liturgical blessing. It's interesting that that has happened. A quick comment before we take a caller, Dom? I would hope, I would hope <laughs> that the Church can recognize what is happening in the world. You know, in, 19, in the Second Vatican Council, I was in Rome just before it, I had hoped the Church would make a radical change to what was called aggiornamento, are modernizing, if you will, not modernism, but modernity. And it hasn't done it, really. That's why I ended up leaving the priesthood in 1969. But I hope, I hope it will change slowly, but sufficiently fast. Uh, were you surprised uh, to hear this from Pope Francis? Um, not really. Not really surprised. But I think much more has to be said. Mm-hmm. What about a relationship? What about a sexual relationship? Is that what we're talking about? Are we talking simply about a, what shall I call it, a spiritual relationship, a distant relationship? What are we talking about? A civil union, or maybe it was uh, Mary and Joseph who were betrothed. Uh, well, I guess they I, were I, living together. Without getting into prurient interest, I would want a little more <laughs> specifics. I hear you. For example, for example, if they said a priest can get married, I want to know, does that mean he has to become an ex-priest first? <laughs> <laughs> let's, take, let's take a caller from uh, a frequent caller to the show, Carol, because I listen all the time. Uh, Carol from Jefferson Terrace. Uh, good morning, Carol. Oh, good morning. Um, lately, I've been thinking a lot about the kids' song about you can build a wall or you can build a bridge. Yes. It all depends on how much love you give. Uh, but that aside... Anything you speaking about have to do with brown people crossing the Rio Grande? Well, when you said violent people crossing the Rio Grande, are you presuming that only violent people cross the Rio Grande? Is that the presumption in your question, Carl? I think he's off the off the phone at this point. Go ahead. Do you think it's a rhetorical question? 
I think it's a rhetorical question, and what I object to very much is the, <laughs> since again, I grew up with a border in my life in, when I was growing up in Ireland, and yes, if you have a violent person coming across the border, of course, of course, you want to stop that person importing violence, but I will not accept or allow the inference that it's only violent people who are coming across the Rio Grande or in any other way coming into this country. I, I came here on a, a student visa in 19, oh, 1951, and I had to go back for my degrees and stuff. I came back on a green card in 1961, and I stayed on a green card, quite frankly, until I became a citizen in the year 2000. It's interesting. We are a nation of immigrants, and uh, our history also reflects how we have not been kind uh, to all immigrants. Uh, and I am it, one, of course. I am an immigrant. And quite frankly, I had no intention of becoming a citizen until in 1997, I got frightened of living in this country without being a citizen. That's the truth. And I applied to become a citizen. I understand. Do you want to go into any more detail about that? No, but I read Newt Gingrich, and I said to Sarah, this is a dangerous country if you're not a citizen. I don't know what laws could be passed. I've been here for, what, 40, 50 years, and they could say, well, why aren't you a citizen? Get out. So I started the process. It took me three years, no problems, um, and became a citizen in the year 2000. I'm glad That's, you're. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad. I'm also glad you're in Florida. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're hanging hanging in there. Hey, I. By the way, we're so close to the beginning of Lent. You and uh, your dear friend Marcus Borg published a very accessible book um, on um, the, the. Let me think. I'm trying to get the title. The 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 First final days. Final. No, the last. Yeah, exactly. Is, is yeah. it the final la or last days? I have to think myself, I must be running for president. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> the last week. The last week. That's it. The yeah. last week. And it's, it's basically the seven days right up to the Easter story. What is so important and what is your word of caution to Christians as they approach uh, Good Friday in, in March, coming up here in March? Well, again, I'm, I'm going back a bit into my own autobiography. In 1960, I was then a priest, and I was a chaplain with 40 people, and we went to visit Oberammergau for the Passion Play in 1960, and I saw the same Passion Play that Hitler had seen before and after he became Chancellor in 1930 and 1934. And when I saw it as drama, no, I, I did know the story. <laughs> I knew how it ended, so I wasn't surprised. But when I saw it as drama, I saw the potential. Uh, no, I saw the actuality, really, of anti-Semitism already in 1960, when I saw it on the stage, much more than when I read it in the text. But then I saw it in the text when I read it on, when I saw it on the stage. So I think during Lent and Easter, we have to use history, as we did in that book the last week, as a discriminant as a discriminant and a criterion to judge even the sacred texts of the New Testament, because they have their prejudices as well as we have when we speak. So I think read Good Friday, say, 
against the background of history. And that's what we're doing in that book the last week. And not make, the, mista- and not make the mistake that, say, Martin Luther did towards the end of his life with his... Yeah, you, well, without history, you will make the mistake. You, you look, for example, and you hear Matthew saying, his blood be upon us and upon our children. But if you know from history that Matthew is copying, copying is my word, we'd call it plagiarism, from Mark, and Mark says, the crowd, and Matthew changes it from the crowd in his source to all the people. And that's people mm-hmm. with a solemn word like, we the people. We have, we have a call. I, I want to get a caller in from Melissa. Okay, go uh, ahead, Steve. Uh, M- Melissa from Baton Rouge. Good morning. Hi. I, I do not think that last caller, he did not say violent. I think the gentleman said brown people. I don't believe I did not hear violence. Thank you. I heard brown people. I think too. Now, now that you. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I thought he said violent. That was a good clarification, I Melissa. Thank you. Thank yes. you, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you. I misheard. You know, we're hearing long, long distance. Um, I would, I would think that that's even worse. To be honest with you, I think it's an even worse prejudice. Yeah. I really do. It would be much worse. I thought it was violent people. He said I misheard, but. Brown people? What's wrong with brown people? Well, in our own city, uh, Italians were discriminated against, and so you, you and know, so you were Irish, of course. Yeah. Yes, we have a long history of discrimination. We're very good at it. Yeah. We just change the the target each time, but we always have somebody out there. Do we have a? No, I don't. We don't have another caller coming in quite yet. Um, so, anti-Semitism. And uh, uh, Islamophobia, the root causes of, of this is uh, a, a, fail, a failure to connect with our, um, the love of God? Oh, I, I don't want to make it, you know, so vague as that. Let me tell you, at the risk of, of even partisan politics, I think the reason that we were able to get, again, I say with all, peace, with all fingers crossed, peace between North and South Ireland was that America, let me keep it at least as a country, was an honest broker. It didn't want to offend the English, who who are our allies. It didn't want to offend the Irish, who are our voters, you know, in this country. So it was fair. I think it was impartial. I am not convinced that we, that is America, has been an honest broker between the Palestinians and the Jews in Israel. I think we have talked to countries, which is the only solution I can see, as it was in Ireland in my own limited experience. Though, uh, by the way, I did live for two years from 65 to 67 in Jordan, in the old city of Jerusalem, so I kind of have some experience there as well. But you have to be an honest broker to say, if you have two countries and they're going to live together, then the Palestinians have to do ABC. For example, reject absolutely interference in their affairs, in Palestinian affairs, from either the surrounding Arab countries or from any terrorists. And what does Israel have to do? Tom, i got to thank you for your time. There's so much to say. We thank author, scholar, friend Dominic Crossan. And happy birthday to you. You have a birthday this week. 
Um, I, I think a big one. As we go out on Lundi Gras, how about another salute to the first African-American woman to win a country music award in composition when Luke Combs sang Tracy's song, Fast Guard, to the top of the country charts. Wow, that's great. A real showstopper at the Grammys. Be safe, everybody. Don't drive those cars too fast. And get a designated driver. You know what that means. It's a pleasure to be a host, a guest host today. And Jim is back tomorrow.